0: Live
1: from Beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of Roman innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight featuring commentary by Felix Sharp-Caballero, Danielle Sandeas, Kenton McCarthy, and John A. Zalm, our program tonight coming to you from base at the museum of <laughs> at the studios. <laughs> oh, I knew I would say it was a few years. That was a few years ago. We're doing the program from our new flagship station. Obviously, not too new, but it is uh, the flagship station WYND. <laughs> AM 560 in beautiful Elk Grove Village. There's something, I you know, there must be something in the brain as it grows older. I mean, there's certain phrases that you have that, that are stuck in the, in your brain. And obviously, uh, uh, you know, where we once did this program is one of those things. So I'm off to a flying stop with this program. But I hope you will all uh, uh, join with me and roll with me as the program unfolds this evening. We've got four great, great guests in the studio with us uh, directly across the uh Uh, microphones from me, is Felix Sharp Caballero. Caballero, give us the pronunciation that you want.
2: Caballero,
1: okay. And you are a uh, former Democrat, more independent now, more progressive and conservative and... I'm more in, in your left of
2: center, left of center, independent. Well, in that's good.
1: As long center. as you're left of center, it will it will go very well. Uh, and you are from the, originally from the state of Michigan. You came in from Michigan to join us here at home base this evening. And joining us from his uh, uh, palatial home in Phoenix, Arizona, is Kenton McCarthy. Kenton, you are a conservative Republican. You have not changed since the last time you were on this program. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've only gotten worse. Okay, well, I guess to some extent uh, that at least makes our discussion uh, great tonight. So we're going to begin in hour number one. We've got uh, some people that uh, see things, uh, at least politically, from different perspectives. And then in the second hour, uh, we are going to be joined by a a card-carrying Republican and a card-carrying Democrat. Uh, They will be joining us uh, from Illinois and also California. And uh, we'll be looking at some of these issues as it relates to elective politics in 2022. Uh, How likely is it that uh, either the Republicans or the Democrats are going to gain uh, control of uh, the U.S. Congress and uh, the United States Senate. So, uh, nice to have you with us. Um, th- there, is, there is a move afoot, and it's been sort of in the rumor uh, field today. It was on all the Sunday shows. And it's an idea that the Biden administration has to compensate Those families that came to the United States during the Trump era and were separated, when their families were separated during uh, the the controversial uh, uh, Trump policy uh, vis-a-vis Mexico and the United States, Uh, and they want to be compensated. Uh, Felix, is that a good idea? Do they deserve to be compensated in your view?
2: Uh, good evening, Bruce. To you and, and and to your 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 guests and and to your listeners. It's always good to be back on your show. Uh, bad idea. Uh, bad idea politically at this time. He's trying to get uh, infrastructure. He's trying to get uh, social welfare done. Uh, he's trying to get his administration going. And uh, y- you know you got to get into a rhythm before you take on such a challenge. Where you're going to provide more funding to immigrant f- to. Uh, uh, individuals who attempted to enter the country illegally than you do to military families whose who, whose who's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, family members die in war.
1: Mm-hmm. Kenton McCarthy, uh, I think I know your uh, response. Uh, uh, what is it? Is this the perfect issue for Republicans to talk about? Kenton, are you there or have you muted yourself? Because we are not hearing you. I don't know whether we're seeing you. Are you there?
3: Yeah, you're coming in and out. So can you hear me now? I can hear
1: you now. Hopefully we will be able to hear you throughout the broadcast. But what is your response to the first question I asked? This this I uh, did I I didn't hear it. Okay, well the the question is the 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 Biden administration is contemplating the idea of giving compensation, significant compensation, uh, to the families that came to the United States and whose families were broken right. up during the Trump administration, right. and they're talking about something in the vicinity of maybe four hundred and fifty thousand dollars per person. Uh, what do you think of that idea?
3: Well, it's it's kind of warped is kind of warped both in scale Mm. and in actual premise to reward people for doing things that ICE is supposed to do. If families families can't be proven to be intact or to, to be an integral unit, they do get separated. That's policy, that's been policy for some time. So when the ACLU gets involved and the immigration, the open borders group get involved, they're going to do something through the legal channels to basically incentivize a repetition of the whole the whole affair. It's tragic. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but it is tragic. Yeah, well, I,
1: I I frankly would be surprised that it's going to go very far, and we're not going to talk too much about it on the program today. Other than it was discussed uh, on the Sunday morning programs today, it seems to me that uh, that would be a huge win for progressive thought and if you're trying to you know maintain control of the house and regain the senate that doesn't seem to be an issue that's going to expand the uh, the base of the democratic right party. right <clears throat> felix as you
3: look at uh, yeah just just as ahead. a br- go ahead kenton no, I'm I'm cut, I'm
4: cutting in and out. So go if you want to. Let's, go to Felix, let's do this. And throw it away I'm going with, to uh, ask uh, our. With Frank.
1: I'm going to ask our team if they can reconnect with you, uh, because this okay. is not working. And uh, I'll continue the conversation uh, with uh, Felix uh, here in the in the studio. Felix. Uh, the, okay. It it appears that the uh, that the the social aspect the expanded. Uh, definition of uh, infrastructure that the progressives were looking for, it appears that they're not going to get what they want. And it's going to be, it appears to be, that it's going to be more of a nuts and bolts, uh, bridges and, and, and cement and, and sidewalk uh, bill. Does that make you happy, or were there progressive pieces of that you would, that you would like to have seen passed?
2: Which, which it needs to be. <clears throat> what the progressives, uh, uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez and the others, mm-hmm. are asking for is to tie by the so- social welfare spending uh, to the infrastructure bill. They refuse to vote uh, on infrastructure before they have settled uh... and tie by those two things together uh... i believe that we need to uh... we need to uh... improve our infrastructure in the state of michigan our roads are are in complete disrepair mm-hmm. Uh we need more uh... public transportation in this country as well as to uh... to begin to redo some of our major airports in this country uh... travel is going to be a thing of the future and if we are not uh, taking care now to improve our infrastructure, whether it's building and technology, we're going to fall behind in many respects. We're but already behind.
1: But if their, but if their constituents, the progressive constituents,
2: yes, want some of these other things,
1: including a more expanded, uh, you know, Green New Deal, if they want uh, you know, a, a pay for maternity leave, if they want some of these other issues that have been moved out, and they have a constituency that wants that by fighting for it. Mm-hmm. Aren't they helping those constituents? And because they, you know, the, 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 uh, the squeaky wheel gets the, the oil. Back shortly with your answer to that question. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight.
5: It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
1: Bruce Dumont back in segment number two of Beyond the Beltway. Uh, Kenton McCarthy, are you there? I am here. Okay, well, that's good. that's good. That's uh, good. I want to pick up the discussion with you because it, uh, you, you you were first to bring up the name of Senator Cinema uh, a couple of years ago on this program. And you surprised right. me again because you were a longtime uh, card-carrying conservative Republican. Uh, you, you sent praise her way. You suggested that it was somebody that the the world was going to hear from, and you suggested that someday she might be a candidate for president of the United States. And Mm -hmm. even though you disagree Mm -hmm. with her on many issues, that was your assessment from across (laughs) the aisle. Now uh, she is a a household name, at least uh, in a lot of Democratic uh, households. So my question to you is, uh, because she has now stepped out and is one of the leaders along with Joe Manchin, of this movement to sort of stop the Biden agenda in its tracks uh, legislatively, uh, how is that playing back in Arizona?
3: What, what was the what was the wrap up to that question? You were how
1: is it playing back in Arizona? How popular is she in Arizona? By by being you know in in many cases Democrats would say she's being disloyal
3: following her for a couple of decades she was my congressperson uh, before she went to the Senate she spoke to me
1: hello okay uh, you know what uh, I'm, I'm going to Senate uh, uh, I'm, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to end this because guys in the studio I'm, I'm not getting any feedback from engineers as to what the problem is other than it's not working so What I'm going to suggest, uh, if you will listen up, guys, in the control room. Are you there? Are you looking? Are you making any indication that you're hearing what I'm saying? Uh, no, we're not getting any indication of that. So, I will go to my next uh, break, and uh, we will continue our conversation with Felix. Our phone lines open at one eight hundred seven two three eighty two eighty nine. The magic of Zoom does not appear to be working this evening. And again, I'm getting absolute blank stares uh, from my engineer. They're looking at me like, you know, what is this? You know, maybe this is their trick or treat. Maybe maybe that's it because I did not bring any candy (laughs) for anybody tonight. (laughs) So maybe that's it. Uh, Let's go back uh, to uh, Felix. And Felix, you were making the point before we went on the air that that uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, you know, appears to be emerging as the chief spokesman, at least on, on television, because he was on basically several of the shows today uh, speaking in favor of the infrastructure bill, even though he hasn't been at his job for several weeks given his maternity leave. But uh, uh, what what is the problem with the administration right now? Because, again, this is, I'm not trying to be negative. All I'm just saying is, is I've observed many presidents. This one doesn't seem to be connecting very well, and the polls sort of suggest that uh, he's heading in the wrong direction for a guy that... Uh, Uh, came to the office with at least a lot of promises of knowing what to do and how to work around Washington, D.C.
2: Well, Bruce, you've got to remember that uh, Joe Biden uh, won the nomination on a Hail Hail Mary pass. And uh, Doug Clutie became very famous for his Hail Mary pass, uh, but he didn't do very well in the NFL. And and right now, uh, uh, President Biden, the Biden administration is struggling and uh, they're losing the faith and confidence of their base uh, have not been able to deliver uh, first uh, he waffled on uh, on filibuster and uh, then there's the voting rights bill uh, infrastructure has been stuck and uh, of course the progressive are, uh, are, are are pounding the drums for social increased social welfare spending uh, he has yet to deliver for his base or anyone and, uh, and so the administration is struggling. Uh, well, uh, uh, how much
1: rope is he going to be given? At, at what point do people in the party, and again, it isn't likely to happen before 2022, but uh, people are going to start to say rather quickly, after 2022, if things are where they are right now, and he appears not to be gaining you know, the, the support that he needs, people are going to start thinking about dumping him in 2024 are they
2: not actually bruce there that's that that subject matter is already on the table and the elections. tell us about it the elections in uh, new jersey and uh, virginia are going to be very telling they have the democrats have more breathing room in new jersey they have a nine-point lead but uh, in, in virginia terry uh, McAuliffe is uh... neck and neck with uh... the republican that is running for governor and so what happens in virginia will determine how the democrats play uh... moving forward because if if, if McAuliffe is not successful in virginia it could start a snowball effect where Republican uh, or uh, purple leading states uh, might begin to 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 flip back red. If the Biden administration cannot lead the Democratic Party to victory uh, and and the midterms will be worse.
1: Uh, Kenton McCarthy, I understand now joins us via phone. Kenton, are you there on the yep. phone? Okay. I'm here. OK, so it's good. Old Alexander Bell appears to be working. My question to you, I I want to kind of follow up with this conversation about where Biden is. I I know you don't think that he's performing well. You haven't thought that for, you know, 40 years and is covering his politics. So my question to you is, uh, at at what point do other leaders within the party start thinking about whether or not there's a way to dump this
3: guy? Well, you, you have to look at who Biden is now versus who Biden was for 37 years in the Senate. Biden's never been a, a strident ideologue. He's been more of a technician and in the managerial class. Since he's been elected, he's become an ideologue. And it, they've, whatever you, you think of his ideologies now that's being poured into him, because he is pretty much an empty vessel, mm-hmm. um, from a management exercise, this administration is failing at every turn. So they're, they're not even technocrats. They're lousy technocrats, and they're proving to be really lousy ideologues because they're showing their cards. Everything is failing around them, and people are seeing exactly what they want to do, where they want to take us. And you're getting pushback, not from the GOP, not from but a few senators in the GOP, but you're getting pushback at the local level. The, the, the color revolution that is in progress Is being led by housewives and mothers at school board meetings, not by the Mitt Romney's of the world. Do you think that's where the true uh, true pushback is coming? Do you agree, though, with
1: what uh, uh, Felix just said? is that he thinks uh, the party, there may be people in the party that are going to read a lot more into the results of New Jersey and specifically Virginia after the vote on Tuesday. That They, they may be looking very deep in those numbers uh, as to whether or not it's a signal that they've got to start looking for a, a candidate in uh, in 2024 and finding an exit strategy for Joe Biden. Oh,
3: well, I, I totally agree with that. I just don't think it'll take that long. I think he'll be... He'll either be 25 before then, or he'll... Before
6: Tuesday? A tap the <laughs> it's, a,
3: well, it's
1: Sunday night. Yeah, <laughs>
6: uh, no. I know. Not before
1: 2024. Oh, yeah. Well, that that's my point is is that yes. at, at some point, if someone is going to challenge him, and where, where does this movement come from? I mean, you would think that it would come from, obviously, the progressive left. But do you, Felix, do you see that this would be something that kamala harris would be part of or is she part of the problem and is she now tainted uh, because of her association with biden
2: well uh uh, bruce uh the vice president uh is not only tainted uh because of her association with biden but she she has also uh, had some missteps uh coming out of the shoot, especially uh, her visit to the border uh was not very well received And uh, they've been very careful uh, to send her back out uh, since since that misstep. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so she's not only tainted, but uh, she has to account for her own ability to 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 uh, potentially, you know, be the the next Democratic uh, nominee. But that so Willie
1: Brown was Willie Brown was right when he advised her that she shouldn't take the number two spot. He was
2: right. Well, Joe Biden took the number two spot, and look where he is today. Yeah, but but but, but generally speaking, he knew
1: he knew Kamala Harris a lot more. Uh, he just knew Kamala Harris a lot more, and knew if she had deficiencies. <laughs> but again, it was it was big news when Willie Brown said that she shouldn't take the number two spot.
2: Well, uh, I happen to agree with him. She would be better positioned today uh, moving forward because the entire field is beginning to reposition. You don't hear the conversation yet, but everybody's taking a look at the missteps of the administration, understanding that Joe Biden will probably likely not run for a second term and, uh, trying to determine whether, you know, they're going to, uh, uh, stick their toe in the water. Uh, I think those conversations are already happening.
1: Does Pete Buttigieg, do you give him a, uh, Do you give him a boost because he happens to be the guy who's been on these Sunday shows? Or, I mean, he wouldn't be doing these Sunday shows if the White House didn't identify him as the guy. So the White House is okay with Pete Buttigieg being out there?
2: The White House uh, appears to be fine with that. Uh, Right now, he's a very good spokesperson. Uh, He uh, he, he addresses uh, a need to reach out to a certain constituency in the Democratic Party. and So it's working right now, and it's working for Pete Buttigieg who will definitely throw his name in the head uh, for, Do don't, he don't should, forget, for the nomination. Uh, Bruce, go
3: ahead, Kenton. Don't forget, let's go back to my senior sen- senator. Don't forget yep. Kirsten Cinema. Okay. Sinema. I disagree with, with her on 99% of her policies, but as far as becoming the center of attention, becoming pivotal, pivotal becoming important, she plays long ball better than almost anyone out there. She was a no-name two or three years ago. Now, she's, she is the center of attention. And now, the, every time the progressives out here throw tantrums and scream at her and chase her into bathrooms and, and harass her on the airplane, all they're doing is they're adding to her re-election campaign. Okay. When we so we she's going to we... come out of this as a bipartisan, centrist, smart-minded, long-term thinker
1: okay when we come back i want to uh, let felix and everybody else respond to it 1-800-723-8289 if you want to weigh in on the future of the democratic party give us a call we'll talk about republicans one in as well three
0: adults has pre-diabetes one in three that means it could be you your football buddy and, huh. your football buddy oh. or you your best man your worst man <gasps> you you Wait, did they just say
7: 1 in 3 adults has pre-diabetes? That's thirty-three point three 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 percent of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's 7 members of my 21 person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the 1 in 3 could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or uh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org.
0: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
8: 145 over 92. 180 over
9: 111. 182 over a hundred. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke.
6: Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
4: A lot of people don't understand, including myself. I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke
5: my memory is shot when i woke up i couldn't speak
6: lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke if you've stopped your treatment plan restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org
4: it's a new life but i'm gonna make it better i I'll coming back to ask your doctor check your blood pressure
6: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad
5: Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society we are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy genomics and personalized medicine this research saves lives after 65 years of fighting blood cancers we've arrived at a game-changing belief the cures for cancer are in our blood the drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers we are the leukemia and lymphoma society Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
1: Bruce Dumont back. Thanks very much for joining us. And we're going to take a moment before we go too much further to let our guests briefly identify themselves, give us a little more background other than what I have done thus far. And Felix Sharp. Caballero. Yes, sir. That's the anglicized pronunciation. Uh, tell <laughs> us a little bit about your background.
2: Felix Sharp Caballero, uh, from the great state uh, of Michigan, Cuban-born uh, American. I've worked in government at the executive level, Bruce, uh, for 35 years, retired now, uh, but uh, still consulting and uh, active in the uh, political diaspora. When you say Cuban-born, you mean born in Cuba or born in uh, the I'm a Cuban-American and okay. very actively involved uh, in the Cuban American community uh to move uh US government toward the normalizing of relations with And America. the last
1: time you were on this program about 7 or 8 months ago we talked a lot about because it was a very hot button issue at the moment and we'll be uh, it's it's in the back burner right now but
2: what's happening
1: on that issue right now
2: Well what's happening on that issue is that President Biden uh interestingly enough uh though he promised during the campaign that he was going to move things back to the process of normalization that President Barack Obama initiated and uh, reversed the Trump policies, which were 293 actions against Cuba. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he actually has adopted those policies and has aligned himself with the uh, conservative, Trumpist, uh, Cuban-American community of South Florida in Miami, rather than the progressive community (laughs) that supported him in the election. So he has a problem there as well but isn't
1: his biggest problem is that if he did as you wanted him to do or wants want him to do that he would probably absolutely lose florida in a race
2: he's going to lose florida anyway okay the the, the individuals in the cuban american community in florida that uh, that votes extremely right-wing republican is never going to vote for joe biden or a joe biden candidate so the the so those votes he doesn't get anyway the danger comes in uh the progressive community which is much more left than the political uh, progressive community in, in Washington, D.C., Bruce, uh, is really falling away from Joe Biden, and he's struggling to gain traction in that community and losing votes every day. Let's uh, learn a little bit more about Kenton McCarthy. Go ahead, Kenton. Okay, Bruce. I was born
3: and raised in suburban DuPage County just outside of Chicago. You, know, you knew my dad for decades. Right. His two, his two passions in life were politics and jazz. And one of his best buddies in the jazz world was Stan Kenton, which is where I got my name. Oh, okay. My sister was named after his firstborn, Leslie Kenton. And I remember back in 1992, I, caught, I, I heard that you were looking for, I hope I get this right, Young, urban, sophisticated, conservative voice. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think it was October of 92. Wow. When I made my first appearance on Beyond the Beltway. And oh, yeah. you scared the daylights out of me by putting me on with Jesse Jackson Sr.
1: Yeah. And how did that go? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, apparently you invited me back, so well, I think I, yeah, yeah. I did better than
1: what no, I suspected. You, uh, you, you, you stood up well, and I think you and and the Reverend became associates. I don't know whether friends was the right word, but you became associates, and I think you were ultimately on with Jesse Jackson Jr. on a number of occasions because it goes back a long, yes. long way. Right.
3: Yep. So I, I like Jesse Jr. a lot. I like uh, John, and and from that very episode, I ended up teaching that continuing ed course at Malcolm X College.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Very good, well,
1: interesting things happen when you're a guest on Beyond the Beltway. Uh, one issue that I wanna get reaction to, and, and I'm surprised, well, not I guess not too surprised, but I'm, I think, a little disappointed that there's been so little discussion of it, because obviously, uh, to many people, uh, the mystery involving and surrounding the assassination of John F. Kennedy Uh, has been an obsession to some for well over five decades now and uh, according to the assassination records law uh, there was supposed to be the final release of confidential and secret information uh, on the Kennedy assassination from government files uh, this or actually last week it didn't happen only the president can make it happen Donald Trump said he was going to make it happen when he ran for president, said he was going to do it when he was president. And then when push came to shove at an earlier deadline, he blinked for fear of, uh, op- because of opposition from the Central Intelligence Agency and the intelligence opera- apparatus in the United States. So we now rely on Joe Biden, who's pushed the decision date back to December 10th, I believe and that is allegedly the final final date that uh, the president of the United States uh, will can comply and by this is a this is a federal law that has been passed by Congress and the president may basically usurp Congress if he doesn't release the information but again every indication is that this December date is going to come and go and once again the American people who've been waiting for over 87 years to have information released and because of congressional investigations, you know, 25, 30 years ago that are demanding that this information finally be released. And it's it's brewing out there, but no one's really talking too much about it. So I wanna, I wanna ask, uh, Felix, you probably have a couple of years on Kenton McCarthy, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm wondering In this contemporary world with everything that we need to know including what happened on January 6th as well as what happened in the street rioting of 2020 um, is it important that the American people really know the secrets that that rest under this 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 cloud uh, that sits in the National Archives how important is it to you personally and frankly to people that you know that we get the final news and the final report and the final information on the kennedy assassination
2: it is uh... bruce critically important uh... that uh... that uh, the united states government be totally and completely transparent uh... per federal law with regard to the uh... results of the uh... kennedy investigation it becomes clear and obvious that uh... and especially if donald, if donald trump who to some degree was one of the founders of reality television, that uh, President Trump, then-President Trump, passed on releasing the report uh, is an indication that uh, the information that that we may see when the report is finally received is going to be hurtful to the American public uh, uh, and painful to to, to to deal with and move forward from. So it is something that we need to begin to prepare ourselves for. Uh, we know now through the release of information, uh, uh, paperwork and whatnot, all of these files and, and, and technology that uh, governments have been known to take action and do things that they're not necessarily proud of. Uh, and uh, I believe that the Kennedy assassination along with Robert Kennedy and Malcolm X and Martin Luther King—all of those things uh, need to come to light uh, in order for this country to move forward.
1: Kenton McCarthy, your reaction. You're a, you're a younger man, but certainly uh, you know and you followed the the evolution of this story for well over you know 45, 50 years.
3: Well, I look, I look at it from a brand perspective. If there if there's ever a time for the brand of big government Inc to do something honorable and do it right now is the time after what we've been through with the misdeeds, the, 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 the plain lies we've gotten from the Biden administration, Anthony Fauci, now would be the time to do something right. And I think it's very third worldish for this to get buried and continue to be buried. I think mm-hmm. the government needs to take its lumps, take its medicine. And if there was culpability on the Fed's part, come clean with it. The American people, I think, would be very mm-hmm. forgiving. In the face of honesty, they will find forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So I think there's too many players. You know, the, the ch- where's the Church Commission? The the left used to be in love with investigating the CIA and the FBI. Right, yes back when Frank Church was senator, so we had this huge campaign to defund, scale down, open up the books of a J. Edgar Hoover FBI or, uh, you know, uh Jesus Angleton CIA. Where are the same voices now that were so loud back then?
1: Yeah. Well, I think that that is an excellent question. And again, uh, it was surprising and, frankly, disappointing to me that that Donald Trump, who, when he became president, probably went further quicker to to challenge the the authority of the Central Intelligence Agency, and I think paid a price for it, mm-hmm. and I think may still be paying a price for it, that frankly he did not have, I'll say, the guts. I'll be I'll be gentle tonight, that he didn't have the guts to release it. Because if any president I think could have released it and gotten away with it. Uh, it would have been Donald Trump because Donald Trump's constituency and fans—they were—they were demanding it, you know, a couple of years ago when we went got, got to the last deadline, and you know, right. although right. this began as maybe a left of center political demand in the country by by progressives, I think over the last 25, 30 years. I agree with your assessment that it isn't just the progressives anymore. It's conservatives that are questioning the power of the intelligence community, the power of certainly the FBI, the abuses of the FBI during the Trump administration, and in the closing days of the, of the Obama administration. I mean, all, all of this stuff now that I would say is bipartisan. I think if you're a progressive or a conservative, you can probably agree that that there are elements of the American intelligence community that have done dastardly things allegedly for protection of the American people but for the most part it's been a cover your your butt decision-making and I think now is the time I agree with you now is the time when I think the American people could accept the full truth on this even though it would be very embarrassing to the CIA. I'm Bruce Dumont, Reaction one 723 8289
5: Song again! Here's that song again for the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love
10: your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
5: At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. A My Social Security account allows you to access your earnings history and benefits information, request a replacement Social Security card, get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at SSA.gov my account social security securing today and tomorrow produced at US taxpayer expense
9: this is the story of a very special woman in a matter of seconds she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur her knowledge was limitless and still is she could also make monsters disappear especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed
11: Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the
0: Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
1: Bruce Dumont back. Does anybody believe there is a senator out there or anybody that's going to make a big stink of this uh, release of the Kennedy Papers or not? Or is it just going to be this radio program and that's about it? Anybody think that it's going to happen?
2: I, I think at some point uh, the American public has been very patient with regard to the release of the Kennedy Papers, and every time that there's been a uh, an extension for the release, uh, very little has been said. It co- there comes a point in time when truth pressed to earth shall rise again. And, uh, and, and we're going to begin to see calls for those papers to be released mm-hmm. if uh, Joe Biden does not release them. Yeah. When, when we talk
1: about how far we go back, and Kenton, I'm going to ask you to kind of jump on this one first. Uh, Felix has said, obviously, we, we live in a country where there's a lot of mistrust of the government. Uh, there's a lot of people, be they left or right, they have a lot of reasons why they mistrust the government. Every four years, we wonder why so few people vote. And we look at voting, and we find out that so, so few Americans even take the time to vote, certainly under 50%. So my question to you, uh, Kenton, is where, in your view, did this start? Uh, I, I will argue in my own life, I would say it started on November 22, 1963. It started with the Kennedy assassination and and that's when i began to doubt and question uh, the government and what they do and how they act do you agree with that are there other what are the other incidents that you think have led to the perpetuation of a loss of confidence in government
3: what are the other i, I agree i agree with you in that retrospectively mm-hmm. you could go back and and put a date on it of you know, Novi 22nd and 63. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was too early at that point to realize the depths at which the government could have been involved. I think we learned that later. I mm-hmm. think the Vietnam War really set the tone for the caliber of deceit mm-hmm. and deception mm-hmm. and, and, and bold-faced lies coming out of both parties, the Johnson administration, uh, which is probably why you, you we got to a point where Con- uh, Con- Cronkite mm-hmm. came out and said he no longer believes this war is winnable because there was no future in it for the U.S. There was no future in it for the, the soldiers dying and getting wounded over there. So you fast forward to today, and I think it's accelerated probably in the last four years with the advent of technology, the corporate techno military-government complex. And one thing that I've noted, when's the last time you heard the words Citizen United? If, if you go back four or five years ago, the left was screaming, we need to strip corporations of this power. Now the biggest allies corporate America has is the left, is the government. So the corporation today is doing the legwork where the government can't get things done either legislatively or even judicially, they're foisting it upon corporate America to do the heavy lifting. And I think when you see this cartel being created, it just adds to the mistrust. And, and one more thing about the Kennedy papers
6: mm-hmm.
3: is don't forget this, this, how this plays out, sets the tone for 2027 Because that's the date when the MLK papers are due to be released. Mm -hmm. So we've got to handle this in a way where we can look back and say, are we doing the same thing properly? Do we have the same transparency today as we did back in, what, December of 2021 Mm -hmm. and so on?
2: Felix, I would add, nice. I would add to that I would add to that that the election of, uh, of Ronald Reagan probably also had a significant impact on our detru- distrust in, in government it was his message that began to question uh, our government financially and 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 and, and uh, what we were doing with with our money the republican party the gop has taken that message and has driven it ever since his election to the degree that today we have gridlock and very little trust in government, whether it's the left or the right. And we have to get a point very soon, uh, Bruce and Kenton, that we have to find a collective uh, set of ideas and values that we as Americans, whether you're left or right, can uh, aspire to represent us as one; mm-hmm. otherwise, we're going to continue to fall behind. Can can
1: we thrive as a nation if uh, if a, if a horrible report came out that said there was government complicity in the Kennedy assassination, Kenton? I mean, are we yes. strong enough yes. to to recover from that, or would it would it I, just I, make you worse? We're all,
3: we're all grown adults because being how long ago did you say it was? Well, nineteen sixty three, yeah. Yeah. Long so a long ago. time ago, I think we've all we've all grown up to the point where we can handle it as a populace. It's the question, can the government handle it? And that's what's driving the issues, because if you get if you're able to get a Donald Trump kind of a roguish president to begin with, if you get him to back down, it's easy to get the population to back down. And I think the population yeah. can withstand, we, we can withstand our own dirty laundry.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, frankly, that's the way I felt when, when, uh, when Trump caved on, on the issue, was that uh, he was the only president that I could think of, because, frankly, he had already drawn a line with the CIA. It was already obvious that they were out to get him. And he knew that, and someone, probably Mike Pompeo, because he was at CIA at the time, he probably said, "Mr. President, don't touch this. If you think you've got problems now, you ain't seen nothing yet." And uh, I think, uh, I, I think that's where we are. I, I think, uh, I don't think we could accept the truth. And you're right. I don't think we're going to be able to accept the truth about Martin Luther King either. Uh, and, and that could have serious issues. I mean, I, I think within the, within the black community, I mean, the, 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 the lower turnouts in the black community, I mean, how many of those are, are are go back to not only Dr. Martin Luther King, but the way in which, uh, you know, black political liberation uh, was infiltrated uh, by government agencies back in the 60s and 70s and mm-hmm. even before that. We've got to pause one 800 723 When we come back, we're going to have a card-carrying Republican, a card-carrying Democrat. They're going to talk about all these issues and what's going to take place on Election Day, coming up in 2022.
8: 145
12: over
9: 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke
6: your blood pressure numbers could change your
4: life a lot of people don't understand including myself I didn't now I do uh, the impact of having a stroke
5: my memory is shot when I woke up I couldn't speak
6: lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org.
4: It's a new life, but I'm gonna make it better. I'm Coming back, ask your doctor, check your blood pressure.
6: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
5: It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org
9: this is the story of a very special woman in a matter of seconds she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur her knowledge was limitless and still is she could also make monsters disappear especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed once this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart which had been shattered in a thousand pieces
11: A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
1: Chris Dumont back in hour number two of Beyond the Beltway from coast to coast and border to border around the world at beyondthebeltway.com. For those people that are uh, uh, sending us little uh, notes uh, through uh, the internet. Nice to have you uh, participating in this program and always interested. Uh, I don't necessarily get a chance to leisurely read those uh, comments during the program, but again uh, during the breaks and also uh, when the program concludes, I get a chance to respond and I, uh, respond to some of those uh, in person. Uh, by the way, let me uh, mention that uh, joining us in the studio, or joining me in the studio, is uh, Felix Sharp, uh, Caballero, and he is an operative, a political operative, independent, and sort of independent slash Democrat from the great state of Michigan. He drove in from East Lansing uh, this evening, and also we have with us uh, joining us via phone because of our technical problems. We have Kenton McCarthy. He joins us from his palatial home in uh, uh, Arizona. Uh, whereabouts in Arizona? Is it Phoenix or is it elsewhere, uh, Kenton?
3: Well, it was Scottsdale forever, and. In- and uh, now it's Phoenix. I just moved there last year, so Phoenix, I'm okay. just across the border from Scottsdale living in phoenix
1: very good nice to have you with us this evening and also reaching out to john azam john azam is a republican operative Uh, he joins us from uh, central illinois and he is the head of his own uh, political consulting uh field uh, organization called goliath slayers communications he works in republican politics and also nonprofits. john nice to have you back with us on beyond the beltway good to have you with us this evening
8: and, it's an honor. Thank you, Bruce. And
1: also, uh, making her maiden voyage, we have Danielle Sandeas, and she is a senior vice president of the, Stata- the strategy group in Los Angeles. She is one of the uh, strategy group is one of the leading political consultancy firms in the country. And Danielle, welcome to your maiden voyage on Beyond the Beltway. I'd like Thanks to, for having me. I'd, I'd like to begin by, p- by sort of picking up on the on the discussion that we had in the in the previous hour, and and ask each of you uh... to to make your case because each of you are involved you're you're involved in more campaigns than than john is at the moment uh, danielle but what is the case b- b- to to the american people that are deciding who am i going to reward or punish come november of twenty twenty two uh... what what case would you make for the democrats be they the incumbents that you represent or the challenger, and I think you represent more challengers, what is the case you would make why they should vote for a Democrat?
12: Well, I think the, you know, the biggest thing is that we're just getting started. You know, uh, Joe Biden took office at a time where things were, you know, COVID was happening. We had just gotten through an insurrection. And so, you know, I think a lot of the pieces of... What will the back better that he has been talking about are just getting started. And so we're seeing this with the infrastructure package that's going through uh congress now you know those day-to-day machinations of the sausage making are things that we're really not used to seeing but because of social media and 24-hour news we're getting the nitty-gritty of some of these details that you know in in sort of past times we would have you know not been able to really see so i think what we're what we're really seeing is in real time democrats are working through um, uh, you know a lot of a lot of the issues but ultimately What I think the goal is for the midterms is to have members of Congress go out to their districts who, you know, and Democrats, especially who voted for the package and say, here's what we've done, you know bill signings um you know uh check you know check distributions you know openings those are things that you know folks want to see back in their districts and i think it's gonna there's gonna be a good story for democrats to tell once we get over you know the ability but once we get to the ability where president biden is able to sign uh sign the package into law
1: john Zom, let's go to you uh what case would you make to uh, voters as to why they should support republicans
8: what have they done absolutely. in the last couple would, of years would,
1: that's so so great
8: uh, uh, thank you bruce yeah absolutely what's what's going on freedom in america is has been under attack with the with all the different mandates the lockdowns the shutdowns you know all of the the, the horrors you know that you know COVID is, is absolutely been been a terrible horrible thing to our country you know, but the way that politicians have responded to it, you know, has, has made things worse. People are what so have frustrated. John, what, what, have Repu- uh, what have Republicans done, spe- specifically,
1: what have Republicans at the congressional level, because we're talking about Congress now, what have Republicans done at the congressional level that would make people want to vote for them because of their handling of COVID?
8: What have they done? Pushing back on... Yes, pushing back on the spending, you know, pushing back on the the, the give out giveaways, you know, Republicans in in, a, in our Congress and, and in our Senate, you know, have tried to draw the line on, you know, we, we saw on the infrastructure bill, if it wasn't for uh, Senators Manchin and Sinema, you know, we, we would have a, a debt package and a spending package that's just totally unsustainable for our children and grandchildren. And what I'm finding, you know, at, at the grassroots, you know, n- not just here in Illinois but around the country, is how parents are pushing back, you know, on what's going on in the schools, you know, and, and what's being taught. So, I would say that that the main thing that we have to do is is get spending under control. We have also, what happened in Afghanistan, uh, was uh, under, under President Biden, you know, it was also a terrible thing and uh, you know, I, I believe that the Republicans in Congress and, and Senate offer better alternative to the, the total control that the Democrats. Danielle, under, let, me, uh, let
1: me ask you a question, because uh, there is one constituency out there that is getting a lot of national publicity exposure at the moment. And those are uh, parents, either aggrieved parents whether it's uh, the CRT issue, whether it's uh, transgender bathrooms, whatever it is, uh, mostly it's about mandates and about the handling of COVID and what, and what has been mandated by the state and or the federal government. Would you acknowledge that that constituency that's out there, they, they have an issue that's sort of seething out there, burning out there, that maybe at this particular moment, the Democrats are a little fearful that they're not quite sure uh, where that prairie fire will lead?
12: Well, I think parents are tired. You know, parents are tired of, you know, the uncertainty, um, you know, the sort of handling of COVID in the early days of the pandemic under President Trump, where, you know, Kids were being told you can't go to school. You have to transition to online learning. Um, you have to uh, child care is you know no longer available. So parents have been for about a year and a half juggling, working from home with kids from home, trying to figure out like wh- how do they manage? How do they make sure that ultimately food is it being able to put on the table and that all of the needs of their kids they're being taken care of? And so I think when I you know speak to friends who are uh, who are raising children right now? You know, a lot of it comes down to I wish I had better access to childcare. I wish I had, you know, more options when it came to uh, taking time off and taking care of my family. And these are all things that Democrats have been fighting for. But both do at parents? The state legislative but do parents? But But Danielle, I think do far parents far as, want, you know,
1: want? Do do mm-hmm. parents want? Do parents want to became become more engaged in? in the school board elections, do they want to raise their voices because Terry McAuliffe has said he's not gonna to listen to them. When we come back, your response to that question. I'm Bruce Jumar.
11: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably.
0: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. 145 over 92.
9: 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke.
6: Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
4: A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke.
5: My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak.
6: Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life,
4: but I'm gonna make it better. I'm Coming back, ask your doctor, check your blood pressure.
6: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont
1: back, and uh, we're going to go to uh, Danielle uh, Sendejas because I want to get your uh, reaction to the, the growing, alleged, growing involvement of, of uh, parents at, at, at school boards. And a controversial statement that was made by Terry McAuliffe in his campaign uh, to be the governor of uh, Virginia, in which he suggested that he really that, that parents, uh, you know, should not have any say on on uh, what goes into their classroom uh, curricula. So again, it's it's an issue that the Democrats and Terry McAuliffe have had to defend. It appears at the moment that it, it's an issue that that maybe is uh, rubbing the wrong way in his campaign in Virginia. But I want to get your response, Danielle, as to whether or not you think this seething issue of parents being really upset with schools, is is it—is it getting riled up to the point where it could become a detriment to Democrat uh, voters and Democrat candidates?
12: Well, I think the... You know, the big piece about education is ultimately we want our kids to learn and we want them to be safe at school and we Mm -hmm. want them to have a, you know, positive learning environment that includes, you know, the needs of of every student and not all kids are the same and not all kids come from the same background. And so ensuring that there is equity in education is an is an important, you know, piece. And, you know, I think sometimes when uh, when individual parents, you know, they think of their kid, which is perfect fine and mm-hmm. and great. But what you know when we're governing, we're thinking about every single kid's needs. And that, you know, that perspective is certainly uh is certainly different when it comes to when you're trying to, you know, when you're trying to make laws and you're trying to implement programs and you're t- trying to talk about about curriculum, and you know, we certainly have seen this is you know, sort of cycles in, cycles out. You know, right now it's it's COVID, it's vaccines, it's uh, critical race theory. But you know, before it was you know, talking about science curriculum, and before that, it was talking about you know, various other issues that come in education. So I think we mm-hmm. see these waves of sort of frustration of you know, amongst parents' minds, but ultimately, what lawmakers have to really look mm-hmm. about, r- remember is that there's a lot of parents who are still at home who aren't showing up to the school board meetings and who are just wondering where their next meal is going to come from and i mm-hmm. think that you know is the perspective that you know folks uh, especially in the democratic side as they're pushing through paid family leave and child mm-hmm. care and these other markets okay. and pieces that are part of the I both the get... american rescue plan as well All as right, the wanna, uh, hold, hold, as well as infrastructure hold, are hold, are up, hold
1: up just just a second i, I want to get uh before we get too much of a filibuster here i want to go to to, to John Zom um, and John let, let, let me ask you the question uh in in the in the central Illinois area where you primarily primarily have your uh, area of influence um to what extent are school board and school board politics are they gravitating to either state legislative races or or even some upcoming congressional races. Is that the Republicans have been looking for a way to, to make education at least, you know, their issue, or at least be more competitive with Democrats. Is this an opportunity for them to do it? And is it happening in, in your back backyard?
8: Absolutely, Bruce. It, it's a huge issue, you know, not just here in Illinois, but but around the country. Just how upset parents are. Uh, and that quote, you know, I wanted to hear it myself from mccauliffe because i had heard it reported so i went watch the tape i got the context you know around mm-hmm. it and you know it, it what what he said i think will result in his in the end his defeat on tuesday but is it's anybody so, is anybody so but is
1: it is there anybody in illinois i'm talking about within your sphere okay The you know everybody knows what terry mccauliffe said my question to you is, as a political operative who's trying to get people elected and riled up and, and, and juiced up to, to vote uh, come in November of, of next year, uh, is, is it happening in Illinois to an extent where, uh, where these issues are Illinois-related and not necessarily something that a candidate for governor of, uh, of Virginia has uttered? I mean, how riled
8: up yeah, are they? No, it's uh, very much so. Uh, out in, in the Chicago suburbs, places like uh, Plainfield, Illinois, for example, Oswego, Illinois, you know, out out the door, crowds, you know, of upset upset parents, mm-hmm. you know, in suburban areas, you know, which are not always uh, fully conservative or Republican, you know, that have elected Democrats to office, mm-hmm. and and these people, these parents, are rightfully Upset, they're turning to Christian schools, to homeschooling. They're turn, you know, and and not everyone has that option. So they're expressing it to their local representatives. They want the state legislature to do more, but but the problem is, you know, we have have a governor, you know, that does not take uh, a, allow hearings on these issues, yeah. you know, from the state legislators. So the Republicans pushing back just aren't. I want to be able to uh,
1: be want to, successful uh, at it. I want to bring uh, Felix uh, sh- Sharp into the conversation. Felix, uh, Mr. Caballero, uh, uh, what's the uh, is is education this year? Is this a year where the Republicans maybe can do something with the issue where they've been very unsuccessful for the last fifty years?
2: American politics, uh, especially Democratic politics, have uh, been uh, surrounded by uh, the education unions, as long as I can remember. Okay. And the conservative right has been trying to bring down those unions, pati- partic- in particular the, the uh, uh, well, in Michigan, it's the Michigan Education Association, teachers' unions, uh, because of too much pay, uh, benefits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Are, education the, unions the, too, are the
1: unions too black? Do you to, think that too, the message there is too, too
2: the black or too powerful? No, both. I think they're powerful. Okay. I don't believe the unions are too black. Okay. Uh, But education is where government hits the road for most people. Uh, in, in America because most uh, young families especially uh, they deal with the school the local school district every day as a former school bo- board member in the uh, Okamas public school board that's one of the top districts in in the state of Michigan uh, I, I, I sat at those school board members uh, m- uh, school board meetings rather mm-hmm. and there are always there are always as Danielle mentioned, uh... there are always hot button issues that drive parents to those meetings uh... the pandemic escalated that because of the mask wearing and some some uh... some states refused to close their schools and mm-hmm. so it's brought it to uh, to a hilt but uh... but let me but, ask you
1: as a school board former school board member yes, should parents have any say at all in the curricula that's used in their children's schools
2: parents and and citizens should always have a say in their government and the school district is a form of government uh... but it has to be uh... it has to be planned orchestrated and, and an approach has to be taken to uh... allow for public input and in parental uh, participation in that process ultimately the professionals have to uh... finalize that curriculum
1: kenton mccarthy what's your response to that question how much should parents be involved <laughs>
3: Uh, Quite a bit, but let me go back to what Danielle said. She wants to to dismiss this as some sort of secular cycle of being mildly agitated at government, and and we go through this all the time. I don't think this is an education issue, and I don't think the GOP is capable of capitalizing on it at this point. I think the reason education is now at the forefront is – Over the last 18 to 24 months, we've seen the government graduate from petty authoritarianism to what is approaching an apartheid state. We're because of the COVID, because of the drastic draconian reaction to the COVID virus, the government and its unelected bureaucrats are creating and exerting more power to the point where you won't I hate the word cancel culture because it treats it rather lightly. They want to cordon you off from society financially, politically, legally, and sometimes physically the brutality, which the left treats those who aren't fully on board with either vaccinations the Marxist CRT teachings in the school.
1: Kenton, let, let, let me let me let me let me ask specifically the question on the issue of COVID uh, uh, mandates or requirements uh, to be vaccinated. If the if the CDC, which is the the government entity, doesn't the CTT see <laughs> don't don't they generally know more than any school board? About how to deal with public health issues in the country,
3: they don't, they've only proven that they don't know. They won't admit what they don't know, and what they don't know is more what they do more than they do know. They've made a farce out of the bureaucracy. They're bureaucrats first and foremost. They want to push people around. They've they've been exposed as as fraudulent as the vaccines that they are and they Do you wish think no but literally do do
1: you do you think that literally uh, the people at the CDC are so corrupt that they are offering bad medical advice bad scientific advice to tens of thousands I told, I told of school you, districts around the country I mean I'm, I'm gonna, I I want to I want to be specific about it do you think that the CDC is deliberately giving bad information to thousands of school districts around the country and giving them false information?
3: I think they're giving them information that they don't even have, that they hope to acquire. They're, How is they're that? Dreaming. I, to, I told you back in March of 2020, I was in your studio and I said, a pandemic is much too an important of affair to be entrusted to doctors. And now the politicians have gotten involved And the doctors have become politicians. And they've gotten it wrong more than they've gotten it right. And that's why they are no longer trusted. And that's why you're seeing pushback where pushback can be had. And that's at school board meetings.
1: I think everybody wants to get reaction to that. We'll give the guests an opportunity. Also, we've got callers on the line. We'll bring them in when we return from Beyond the Beltway.
5: learn more at lls.org
9: this is the story of a very special woman in a matter of seconds she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur her knowledge was limitless and still is she could also make monsters disappear especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed
11: Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in English language is less convincing than probably.
1: Bruce Tumont back. We continue with Beyond the Beltway wherever you're listening this evening. Hopefully you're driving very carefully or uh, relaxed by the fireplace if indeed you need a fireplace in some parts of the country you need it. Let's go to phone callers before we go back to our guests to respond to some things that Kenton McCarthy had to say. Uh, Let's go to John listening to us in McHenry County, Illinois, not too far from where we're doing this broadcast. Go ahead, John. You're online, too.
10: Thank you. Uh, good evening, all. And I want to go back into the 2022 midterms, you know, yes. a year from now, basically. Yes. And we're looking at what we've seen out of Washington during the 117th Congress and the Biden administration mm-hmm. is simply authoritarianism trying to be taken on, you know, on steroids, I hate to say. We look at the For the People Act, you know. States across the country, like Texas and Georgia, the two World Series teams, are making common sense laws to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat, yet the For the People Act is trying to bring radical things. Many of them started from California, from where Missandeas is from, like, California-style ballot harvesting. That's in the legislation that has been stalled in the Senate. Also, you have the uh, unsolicited vote-by-mail ballot. And... Fortunately, the Republicans in the Senate and a few Democrats have stood in the way. I mean, Joe Manchin, for instance, he's in favor of voter ID, not photo ID, voter ID. Okay. That's one area. We look at also the... John, John do me do. a favor.
1: John, s- stand by for a moment. I want to go to Danielle Sandeas. She's with the Strategy Group out in California. Uh, she's working on a variety of congressional races out there. She's been involved or, for over, you know, 10 years in the market out there. Uh, Danielle, speak to us on the issue of vote harvesting, which, again, is something that that uh, uh, happens, uh, I guess, frequently in California that seems to rile up a lot of Republicans. Uh, why is it such a good idea in your view?
12: Uh, it's it's part of a, a law that went into effect a couple of years ago. But, you know, what it really is designed to do is if grandma can't get to the polls because she's in a walker um you know her your grandchild can sign and say you know uh, she authorizes me to return this ballot and then you take that to the voting center or you drop it off in the mail but there is a you know signature from another registered voter in in on the envelope with the absentee ballot that says i am the person who is authorized to uh to come here so i think the sort of uh the actual practice of it is a little blown out of proportion because i think there's this imaginary idea that people are Running around the streets and putting ballots in bags and then taking them to the post office and that in of its practice doesn't actually happen. It, there is a you know protocol that is in place where you have to get a signature. Uh, you have they when it, uh, and when you drop it off at the voting center, there is somebody who checks the signature and makes sure that all of those things are are legit. And so uh, there is a process in place, but I would say the practice is is really done by very few people. Most voters, you know, because. We have let me ask um, Daniel, you know, expanded uh, Daniel, voting rights in California. Me, we me, just have higher turnout me, and more people are voting, and let, that's let a good me, thing.
1: Let, let me ask this question. You've, you've painted a picture of a, uh, you know, of a very positive thing, a, a grandchild taking uh, a grandparent's uh, you know, a ballot uh, and, and, and bringing it to the polls you sort of dismissed what some of the Republicans suggest happens, and that is there are organized efforts by the by the Democratic Party or the Republican Party in some parts of the country, it happened in, with Republicans in North Carolina, that uh, that there's an organized campaign that works that way. So my question to you is, can you acknowledge that at times there are those, they may be Republicans, they may be Democrats in California, who have abused that legislation, which has led to perpetuation that it's a phony deal and why they oppose oppose it. Has it happened enough for people to say, wait a minute, this is not a good idea?
12: well Republicans were the ones who actually put this in practice okay. uh you know we well, saw you, uh, campaign can't headquarters in Orange can. County with ballot boxes saying drop off your ballot boxes here but they weren't official ballot boxes from the county registrar they were you know boxes of you know in the headquarters that were for re- friendly Republican um you know Republican voters and you know they won that challenge the you know Secretary of State tried to come down and say hey this is not how you're supposed to do it and you know the the Republicans ultimately prevailed because they were like this is actually so within Danielle, the law we're following everything that you've do ask, so both sides have you know utilized it let me ask the campaigns that I'm involved with most of the time it is ask, that scenario let me grandparent grandchild somebody that you, they know and a trusted source me, you know, we're, taking, we're having taking a problem so that they can with
1: Danielle brain. hearing me so Danielle let me take a breath and let me just ask the question again so what I'm asking is, and you, 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 you very brilliantly, and you're, that's why you're senior vice president, you deflected my question to talk about skullduggery that was done by the Republicans, and I'm not denying that it wasn't happened. I'm, I'm, I'm taking you at your word this evening. But I want to I understand that are you saying it's only Republicans that have used the law for their own benefit, for their own convenience, or do Democrats do that too?
12: No, I think Democrats do that, but it is following the okay. law. And you know, I think a lot of folks, you know, when yeah. uh, when we train organizers to you know uh, to utilize a practice, we sort of say as a last case scenario, if they you know, voter has a question and they say, you know, I'm there's no way I'm going to be able to go to a a voting you know center or a mailbox. You know, would you mind taking this in? We sort of give the protocols and make sure that. One, we're protecting our staff and that there is, you know, no um, no ability to say that this wasn't, you know, put in line. Um, and, you know, I think we're also, you know, making sure we're cognizant of the fact that you have to build that trust with the voter. And okay. so, uh, you know, just because you have the ability to do it doesn't mean it, it's utilized. There are democratic campaigns that utilize it. And again, there are Republican campaigns that okay. utilize it. But I are, think the sort of nationalization story of it's, you know, such a, you know, it's how we win elections in California no we we win elections in California because we have more Democrats registered than Republicans do and there's John, a, there's an inherent registration advantage in our go let me go, to, our, let me go to, state
1: let me go to John Zom John Zom question to you is yes. of, of all of all of the issues that, that 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 surround elections and voting in Illinois I'm going to ask you about an Illinois question what is the single biggest fear that you have is it voter intimidation is it harvesting of ballots is it a lack of uh, signatures that can be verified what what is it that you would like to see corrected the most in in your election and and where does that fit into possibly a movement nationally
8: yes two major things one is as uh, as john had indicated in, in the phone call the, the vote by mail system you know we, we used to do this the careful signature matches which would throw out 3 to 5% of the signatures not matching between what's on record and and what is turned in and by ha- by sending out all of these unsolicited vote by mail ballots to people you know that have moved away you know that don't even match up sometimes with the national change of address database that idea of all of those ballots and Getting the signatures properly matched is my biggest concern, and something that I've actually seen as as a problem, you know, in in different elections. And the second one is the the voter harvesting boxes. And and remember, this is a creation by the California politicians, the Illinois politicians. You know, I I thought it was uh, very unfair of Danielle to to try to bring up an example of of a Republican that might have abused it. WHO CREATED THE WHOLE THING IN THE FIRST PLACE IS THE REPUBLICANS. THE REASON YOU HAVE VOTER HARVESTING BOXES, WHICH ARE BOXES THAT that ARE NOT U.S. POST BOXES, IS SO THAT IF FRAUD IS CAUGHT, THOSE VERY SAME PEOPLE CANNOT BE PROSECUTED FOR FEDERAL POSTAL FRAUD BECAUSE NO STAMP WAS PUT ON IT. THAT'S THE WHOLE REASON FOR THESE VOTER HARVESTING BOXES, Mm -hmm. YOU KNOW, is, IS A WAY TO PERPETUATE FRAUD. SO THOSE ARE THE TWO THINGS I'M MOST CONCERNED ABOUT. Illinois and nationwide in terms of voter fraud. Felix, your response?
2: You know, if I can dive into this discussion about harvesting and voter fraud, uh, I I believe that collectively our interest should be to ensure that as many Americans uh, participate in the electoral process as possible. And so to the degree that we can facilitate that process, whether it's through voting on Saturday and Sunday uh, or making it easier to do so, with proper ID, there's nothing wrong with proper ID. I cannot believe that we voted in this country as long as we did without ID. Uh, if those things are in place, then what's wrong with encouraging as many people to, uh, to vote as possible? We need to get our voting rolls up beyond a 30, 35 percent or so that we consistently find ourselves at. What's a proper ID? I've, I've, I've never heard, frankly, I've not heard a Democrat ever
1: articulate that position on the air. A proper, you, what a proper ID is a
2: government-issued ID.
1: Danielle, is that a fair thing to ask for?
12: Well, I think if there's barriers to getting a, an ID for people. Um, you know, what I think if they? we removed all the barriers, uh, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have the issue. But ultimately, you know, when you vote by mail, um, there are a lot of verifications that get in, put in place, and you see this in Orange County, California, one of the best voter registrars in the country, the gold standard for how they you know do do elections, has you know really perfected this vote by mail system and the verification and the signature issues that. Um, that folks have already, you know, John has has mentioned these these are systems that are in place that, you know, we don't find a lot of a lot of issues of fraud and abuse. And, you know, I think that's because the system is working. Why is it difficult to have go, a why is that that it away? difficult
1: to have why is it difficult to have a, a, a voter ID, though? But that, thats the question. I do have to pause now because we have a break coming up. But when we come back, I want to talk. You—you—you you, you basically say that—that that having, uh, you know, identification, uh, creates a—is—is a—is a, is a hurdle for some people. I'd like you to explain that a little bit further when we come back. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight from coast to coast and border to border. Guests tonight in the studio. We've got them, southern Illinois. We got them coming out our ears. I'm Bruce Dumont. Oh, go away.
10: Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show him you love him. Keep him safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry, we're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text RADIO to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihabprediabetes.org. That's doihabprediabetes.org.
7: Wait, did they just say 1 in 3 adults has pre-diabetes? That's thirty-three point three 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 percent of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the 1 in 3 could be me, my karaoke partner, Carol, or, uh, my karaoke enemy, Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test
0: at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
5: It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
1: Bruce Dumont back. And my question to uh, Danielle, uh, a question to you is, why is it so difficult for people to get an official government ID?
12: Uh, Well, because it costs money, because it, you know, if you're living in a rural area, the nearest place to go in person might be miles and miles away. And if you don't have transportation to get there, uh, if you can't do it online, um, you know, there's a lot of just barriers to to getting that, you know, 11 percent of the nation, um, you know, Americans who could vote um don't are, don't have a, a a voter of of an id and so um you should know that be we're trying easier? To find that ways be easier should to make that be should sure that that people can make their voices heard in our democratic process you know asking them for you know an additional um you know additional documentation that they might not have access to if they're in a rural area if they're low income if they're disabled or they're elderly you know that is that is sort of a another barrier to participation and so i so you know, basically I think that let me need... just
1: double let me let me just double check here and i want to get everybody's reaction uh basically we're saying because some people in the country may find it difficult and by the way you said uh, it you have to pay for it. I I don't know whether you have to pay for a state uh, ID or not. Do you have to pay for a state ID in Michigan? You do have to pay for a state okay. ID. Okay, and how much is a state ID? Uh,
2: it runs in a neighborhood of fifteen, twenty bucks okay. something like that.
1: So if if legislatures, Republicans and Democrats, if republic Republic there's a lot of Republican legislators, if they were to decide to decide that basically, uh, getting a state ID, which Republicans like to have for voting uh with something that was made available free uh would you support that is that something that uh, that would that would erase one of the reservations that democrats have
2: i would certainly support support something like that it is the responsibility of government to uh and many countries do uh as a part of the and voter uh, the right process and what, what, what of about providing v- the copy of 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 a, of a government id
1: what about having voter id well we have voter id when you uh, motor voter you can get your ID when you get your driver's license? Exactly. Are there other places that could be done? Could it could it be done at banks? I mean, it's, could there be an aggressive, bright, smart, bipartisan way to say to every American, we're going to give you an ID to vote in hopes that you will vote? And that would eliminate some of the concerns that the Democrats have, which is some people just, they, they, they can't figure it out. They're not smart enough. they're too they're, they're they may be infirmed. I mean, a variety of reasons to make excuses why people can't do what the rest of Americans are asked to do, and that's to have a voter ID.
2: Everyone should have a voter ID and 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 really, uh, 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 there are very there are barriers. But there shouldn't be barriers because the solution, as you just mentioned, is very simple. We can offer banks, uh, schools, other institutions that can provide uh, a government ID so that there is no barrier. It's a very simple solution.
1: Is that that as simple as as, uh, Felix and I are suggesting in your view?
12: It's not because, you know, what is the proper ID is often the debate. So... My sister is a Wisconsin voter. She, her state issued ID ID is in California, but she goes to the University of Wisconsin and her, so she's got a student ID that, you know, could count. But if the legislature tomorrow said, her student ID is irrelevant when it comes to voting, then she is lives is living in Wisconsin. She pays taxes in Wisconsin, but she doesn't have the right to vote in Wisconsin because she doesn't have a Wisconsin ID. And that's that's ultimately where you end up seeing these barriers are on those technicalities where students don't feel like they are ones who are attending school in a certain state, yet they, you know, their their student ID doesn't count because that ends up being part of the legislation. So you know, ultimately, what 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 ends up happening about with these voter ID laws is that the you know the goalpost keeps moving further and further away to disenfranchise the voice of of those who, who should be participating. And so, you know, students, again, you know, elderly, you know, folks who you know are are maybe not able to access this because it does cost money. You know, that shouldn't be a barrier to participating in our in our democracy. I
2: agree with that. I when my daughter when my daughter was a student at the university. Pennsylvania, she registered to vote in Pennsylvania. When she graduated last year and she moved to New York, she registered to vote in the uh, in the state of New York. Uh, I, I, you know, I have to say that is not a barrier for responsible individuals. I understand that uh, there are populations that require some assistance to secure uh, government ID, but uh, really the solution to barriers is very simple. Kenton, is that too much to ask of people? To have a
1: to no, have a voter ID, I is mean, it too much to
2: asking. No, no, I think.
1: but what about, what about what about Danielle's reservations? Aren't those real reservations that people have and 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 uh,
3: hurdles? No, it's it's no, it's the responsibility of the voter to exercise your democratic right to vote to do it properly and legally. And, and to hear to hear Danielle use the term "moving the goalposts," you know that pegs the irony needle for the week. Should because a
1: homeless person, you, you, Kenton, you should and, a, ho- and, you, should you a and, homeless person be allowed to vote? Yes or no? Yes, should a homeless yes.
3: person be allowed to vote? The government can issue IDs to whomever it wants to. For some reason, enough Republicans don't want it to happen, and all the Democrats don't want it to happen, because it it stymies their efforts to cheat. It It... it it kills their opportunity to rig the system. If the government wanted to make ensure that everyone had, it, had a proper ID, they could do it. Do you agree with that, John?
8: Voter ID is, is just a, a co- common sense. And there is no, no barrier because, you know, this, this issue has, has come up before, you know, and the, the idea of cost has come up before and legislatures, you know, have, have made it down to no cost you need an ID, you know, to for all sorts of things to access medical care, to access government benefits, all of the different different things that you need to use an ID for. Uh, this idea of a barrier is, uh, is it's it's not there. I'm
1: Daniel. Final uh, word to you. I'm going to give you the final ten seconds. We've only got ten seconds.
12: Well, I live in a state where we want people to participate, and every single registered voter gets a ballot and this will be moving forward okay. the way californians vote um okay. and so ultimately i think more people Danielle, participating in the process is a good thing for our democratic i appreciate
1: goddess. your being with us but your 10 seconds are up she's with the strategy group joins us from from los angeles also felix uh sharp calabrero cabrero uh, joining us in studios and john Zam, and also kenny mccarthy our thanks to prince goldman and frankie rodriguez i'm bruce dumont Good night from Elk Grove Village.
9: This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart
11: A public service announcement brought to you by AARP
0: and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you. Your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you. Your best man. Your worst man. You
7: Wait, did they just say 1 in 3 adults has pre-diabetes? That's thirty-three point three 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 percent of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the 1 in 3 could be me, my karaoke partner, Carol, or, ugh, my karaoke enemy, Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at
0: doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
8: 145 over 92.
9: 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke.
6: Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
4: A lot of people don't understand. Including myself. I didn't. Now I do. uh, The impact. Of having a stroke.
5: My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak.
4: Lowering your
6: high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at ManagerBP.org. It's a new life,
4: but I'm gonna make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor, check your blood pressure.
6: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.